Hey everyone, this is Trip Bodenheimer, host of the Shadows Podcast. We believe that everyone has a truly unique, real-life story to tell. We interview a diverse cast of guests on their highs and lows, their tragedies and triumphs, and how they ultimately got to where they are today. We're a firm believer that we can all relate and learn from one another's stories. Check out new episodes every Monday on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all podcast platforms. Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to the Ignite Podcast, and I am your host and guardian of the torch, Caleb Pearson. Ignite is a podcast where we bring in the experts on all things life, leadership, and development to provide a unique experience to learn and grow all from the comfort of your own space and your own time. When you're a part of Ignite, Remember that you are joining individuals that are intentional, generous, noble, intelligent, tenacious, and we all strive for excellence. Today, I am honored, truly honored, to introduce the next torchbearer of the podcast, the philosophical Oleg Lohid. Good afternoon, Oleg. Uh, thank you for having me on quite the introduction i can't say i've ever heard an introduction like that before i love i love the the intention that you put behind the words because i know that's something you and i share and we did this on our podcast as well this whole concept that words do create worlds or they can ex they can also destroy worlds so i just i just love the intention and the thought that you chose to put behind this particular podcast Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, that's what this is all about. And I'm all about moving intentionally, mm -hmm. having intentional conversations and intentional action. So mm -hmm. uh, how's your day been so far? You know, it's been, it's been going relatively well. I would say it's been busy, busier than I thought it would be. But at the same time, it's everything that I've ever wished for. So I, I certainly can't complain because I know what it was like to not have many of the opportunities that are available now. So it's, it's more so just choosing to embrace the challenge and acknowledge it for what it is and just keep going, keep finding a way to make it as something that is happening for you and not necessarily to you. That's awesome. Thank you. Oleg. And that you actually reminded me of a conversation that I had yesterday before we get right into the podcast and I give you your uh, bio and tell, tell the listeners mm -hmm. a little bit more about who you are, but uh, for, for those listening at home. So I, I met Oleg uh, through a mutual uh, friend acquaintance. Mm -hmm. uh, I joined in on the conversation on a show that he, he and uh, Scott Mason does um, and, you know, I'll, I'll let Oleg talk about that show at the end of in the, the end of the podcast today. But I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and we were headed somewhere and we were in an area downtown where there's a lot of um, homeless people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, I feel bad every time I come down here. And she was like, I feel bad because I feel like I'm like, you know, flaunting um, my privilege in front of them. And I had to, you know, kind of tell her, you know, it's not really your privilege that you're flaunting. Um, these are things that you 
earned, that you worked for, that you worked mm-hmm. hard for. So it's not that you're privileged. It's just that maybe they may be just a little bit less fortunate than you. Uh, privilege would be if something was freely given to you without you having to do anything for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, I, I, I know you and I always have really good deep conversations, but that, that brought that up for me. Uh, I was thinking about that. And I can relate to elements of it. I think in regard to the privilege part, yes, there are probably privileges within my life that Mm -hmm. I am fortunate to have. But I I also try and understand that there are certain things that I might have developed on my own. So to what degree do you categorize something as a privilege? And to what degree do you categorize it as something that you worked for? Mm -hmm. And you had to find within your own life. And that's where I think that it's interesting conversation as far as, yes, I might've had certain opportunities that people didn't have. And I know you and I had this conversation on the other podcast called power of your story, where we spoke about equality and what does it mean to have equal opportunity? And I think it directly ties to what you just, just described. And that is to what degree do the opportunities that you have within your own life, do you diminish them? by mm-hmm. choosing to look at them as things that other people don't have, because that's the, that's the truth of the matter is right. To a degree, you'll always have opportunities or things within your life that other people don't. And the same is true, vice versa. There are things that people have within their lives that you're not able to experience. And so that's where I started to realize and, and try and actively and consciously draw a line between yes I acknowledge certain quote unquote privileges, but also acknowledge certain things that I had developed on my own, mm-hmm. because the last thing I want to do is diminish all of the hard work that I had to put behind making certain things possible within my own life. Right. That sounds like a great conversation that you can, and you and I can definitely have, and I'm, I'm, we're going to have it. It's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to make an episode about it. We're going to have that conversation. And I, I love being able to talk to you. Uh, because I feel like you and I could probably just sit and talk and a lot of things could come up mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things. And we could just bounce, you know, the ball back and forth and just mm-hmm. continue to have an insightful conversation into like a deep dive into a lot of other things mm-hmm. for all of my listeners at home. Let me tell you a little bit about Oleg. And for those of you who would like a little bit of a deeper dive into who Oleg Lowheat is, please check out the or check out the shadows podcast uh, he was interviewed by a friend of mine uh trip bodenheimer uh, it's a great episode uh you can listen to a little bit more about who oleg Lowheat is where he came from and what a what his story is and it's i, I promise you uh, you will not be disappointed oleg's start in life was inauspicious At nine years old, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered the Russian orphanage. At 12 years old, he decided to be adopted into a new family in a new country, halfway across the world to start a new life. At 24, he began his journey of helping others live the life they have always dreamed of, despite their hardships and misfortunes by allowing them to recognize the uniqueness and worth within their own story. I am super excited to have you on as our next torchbearer, Oleg. 
In today's lesson, Oleg will be taking us through resiliency and reframing adversity. Oleg, are you ready to ignite these minds? Yes, I am. Great. The torch is yours. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction and everything that you do when it comes to this particular platform and helping empower people and help them empower themselves ultimately through much of this information. You know, as, as you were even reading the description of who I am, it, it was interesting to be able to sit on the other side of it and really observe like, wow, you've come through quite a bit in life, just even in the past four years, and then taking a, a step farther. And that's the last 16 and then 17 years after that. And I think the more that I look back at my own previous experiences in my own childhood, and for those that are not aware of my story, and to give you some context as far as where I was born and the different things that I've experienced, I was born in a relatively small town in Russia. I call it small, but I actually looked it up the other day, and I think it's 1.2 million or, or 1.5 million. So it's, it's a relatively big town now that, now that I think <laughs> about it. But I think the reason why I call it small is because when I think about my own childhood memories and the time that I've lived there, and being able to literally walk from one side of town to the other in what seemed like 15 and 20 minutes. I didn't think it would be possible to do in a much larger city. Mm -hmm. But the reality of the matter is I could probably do that in most of the cities, even in certain parts of New York City. And it's, it's a really big area, but having the ability to go from one end to the other in that short of time, in my mind, it makes it small. So I was born in this town and I was born to a relatively, I guess you could say dysfunctional unit. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was in prison. My sister, who was 18 years older, actually ended up becoming my legal guardian hmm. from that point forward. Now, for anyone that's listening, and that might be able to relate to your own circumstances of what it was like to live in a household where you didn't really have a parental figure to rely on. One of the things that I had to do from a very young age is I had to develop this deep belief into my own abilities and my own self. And that I think is the catalyst or the seed to much of the mindset that I have around this concept of adversity and resilience today, because I firmly understand that it is through deeply believing in myself, that is how I've been able to overcome many of the obstacles. Now, there are certain tools and things that I've gained along the way, which I'm happy to explore with you as well, that have helped me along this journey. But I think it, it all started with that belief and that possibility and that almost affirmation mm. that I can overcome whatever the obstacle may be, that whatever someone else's projected limitation of how they choose to view the world, it doesn't have to be my own reality. I don't remember who said this. It might have been either Les Brown or Napoleon Hill, but I'll tell you this. Once I heard those words that someone else's opinion doesn't have to become my reality. Everything shifted for me. Mm -hmm. Then I took that to experiences and I started to look at experiences and I started to tell myself that someone else's experience of something in life mm -hmm. doesn't have to be my own experience. And I've proved that to myself numerous times. I mean, think about your own journey, the times when something was challenging or something was challenging for someone else. And they told you that, don't go that way. It'll be too hard. It'll be too difficult. You won't see the other side. And yet you chose to do it. And you did see the other side. 
if there's anything that I've learned along that process, it's the importance of the words that I use and how I use them and how I choose to tell that story because you never know who's listening and you never know who's quote unquote light at the end of the tunnel you may be or whose light you may ignite through any of the conversations that we choose to have today. Right. I like how you said whose who's light you may ignite. That That's awesome. That's and probably, that maybe is an extension to your podcast. Intro oh, of right course. There. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll plug it right there in the beginning. <laughs> you talked about some of the adversities that you were facing growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adversity you face with your 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 family, your sister taking guardianship, and then again, um, uh, is is that that was before you were adopted? That was before I was adopted. Yeah, those were the things I went through until I was about nine years old, and at nine I had my first critical step within my life, and that was when I was faced with the decision. Mm-hmm. to either give up my parents' rights or to stay with that family. Mm-hmm. And what I chose to do was I chose to give up their rights. I went into an orphanage, ended up living there for three years. And it was through that orphanage system where I was able to participate in a form of folk singing mm. that introduced me to the possibility of coming here to the States on a, I guess you could say almost like an exchange program where we were able to perform in, in front of some of these families and then was fortunate enough to be adopted in 2005, end of 2005. So I was 12 years old when I came to the States. And that was a chapter to a whole other journey mm-hmm. coming to the States, not being able to speak English, not knowing anything about this part of the world, not knowing how you're going to make friends or if you're going to make friends, mm-hmm. not knowing what your family relationship is going to look like. So there were just so many things that I had to juggle from that very first minute of crossing the border, so to speak, and coming here. But I think the biggest thing that kept me through it all was understanding that I can do it because I have overcome many of the things prior to it. And then outside of that, also just relying on my support group. And my parents played a tremendous role within all of it. I think they were probably one of the first people that helped reaffirm that possibility that it is possible for me to learn many of the things. Because some of the things that I was hearing on the outside was that it may not be possible. Mm. I don't know if you've ever, if you can relate or you've ever experienced or any of the listeners have experienced this, but when I was younger, one of the things that I oftentimes heard was there's no way this kid's going to learn English. He was 12 years old. He doesn't speak it now. What are the chances that he's going to speak it however many years down the road? And then some of the people said, even if he does, his accent will be too difficult to understand. So don't even bother type of thing. And I just, I continued to pursue now. Don't get me wrong. It was embarrassing to sit in ESL classes as a 12 year old kid with kids who are five or six or seven years old and literally just learning the alphabet or learning how to color books. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm in sixth grade. I'm supposed to be so much more advanced and I'm in the same exact level so there's a lot of there were a lot of internal feelings that I that I felt everything about I'm not enough I'm not smart enough we're all within that that frame and that sphere but due to my parents help and some of the other people along the way I was able to flip that script around 
and, and see the quote unquote other side of it all. Thank you. I like what you said when you started talking about understanding that you can do something. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important uh, as far as you talking to us about resiliency and the the many times you've had to remain resilient throughout your life, uh, Mm -hmm. learning English after being told that you can't or that Mm -hmm. you won't. Um, And then you also said that you had a good support system a good support Mm -hmm. group somebody or a group of people that believed in you even at times I'm sure uh, when maybe you questioned or didn't know that you could believe in yourself Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's always optics right when you're dealing with certain situations and how you may look to others or what things may be perceived to be. A lot of times I think that holds us back from maybe going after something or pursuing something. But I think that also ties into what you're talking about with resiliency, because you said overcoming internal struggles. Mm -hmm. So what can you tell our listeners about maybe understanding that you can having a support group overcoming the those internal struggles that uh really helped you in your resiliency overcoming these adversities throughout your life and how can they use that in their life well the best way that i could kind of approach what you just asked is maybe through a couple different angles first is the angle of the support group I think for me, what started to change in the most, especially in the recent years was I, I really started to question who's in my support group. And I think one of the early questions that I had approached myself with was who is truly there for me, regardless of the circumstances. And I'm talking about when everything hits the fan, who can you call? Who can you talk to and say, Hey, this is what's happening. And not necessarily even seeking for help, but more so just seeking to create a space where they can understand you for who you are and accept you without any form of judgment. And that took me a while. That took me many years to get to the point where I was able to get to that particular phase, because I'll tell you this, there were many years throughout my life where I had hundreds of contacts through my phone in my phone. And I thought that every single one of them was that person. I thought that every single one of them was going to help you when everything was going south. Well, when things started to go south and I started to reach out to all the people in the, my, in my phone, I realized that out of the hundreds of contacts that I had only maybe 10 or 15 actually chose to respond. And out of those only maybe five helped. And that's where I realized that it's more about the quality than the quantity. And so in understanding who's really there for me, regardless of the circumstances, helped me reframe and build my own network of people who can help me along the way. The second part of that, when you mentioned and you spoke about having that feeling inside of you that things will work out, you know, the the beauty of that, I think it's a double-edged sword because I think there's truth to it, but then there's also a lot of uncertainty uncertainty to that feeling because you never know when things are going to work out and what does it even mean for things to work out? What does that look like? You know, if I'm trying to overcome the barrier of not being able to speak English, at what degree will I have enough of an understanding or confidence that I can speak it well? 
because there's so much more than just the ability to be able to pronounce the words. There's also the ability to create a space like this, where you can freely share mm -hmm. what it is that you've lived through and what it is that you know, and know that regardless of who's listening and regardless of what it is or how it is that they choose to interpret it, that's their own journey. So if people choose to judge, that's their own judgment. It's not on you. And that, so there, I think there are multiple paths within that journey that I had to explore in order to really instill that sense of belief within me and help me understand that regardless of how great the challenge may be, I'll always find a way because I've worked on myself for so many years. So long story longer, what I would say is for anyone that's listening and that anyone that is looking to look into developing this sense of belief within themselves, that they can do certain things, that other people's opinions don't have to become your reality. The thing that I started to do, if this is by any means helpful to anyone else, is that I started to approach those things, those things in chapters. Mm. So instead of trying to figure out this whole thing all at once and trying to understand how do I get this ultimate formula to self-belief, I started to break it down into components. What makes up belief? That's the first thing I started with. And then from there, I started to break it down as far as self-image, self-confidence, self-worth, and how can I work on each one of those individually? And then I think that's where the feeling comes in. And I, I don't know if you can relate to this, Caleb, or not, but for me, when I started to tackle the concept of self-confidence, there it was just a feeling that I got at the end where I started to realize that this is what it means for me to be confident. And then from there, when I went into the self-worth, it was the same exact thing. It was more of a feeling or maybe intuition that helped me understand that this is what self-worth to, means to me. And then dealing with people's criticism or feedback, mm -hmm. this is what it means to actually not take many of the people's judgments or opin opinions personally. So I think that in approaching it in chapters, I started to realize that a, it was a much more manageable route then because then I can work on each piece individually instead of trying to solve the whole how or the whole picture all at once. And here I am, however many years down the road, having this understanding and perspective and just very fortunate to be here, very fortunate to be here because when I looked at life 16 years ago, this wasn't even a possibility. This wasn't even a dream. That's how far I've come from. 16 years ago, the life that I'm living now wasn't even a dream. And now that I am here, continuing to dream even more, even farther than I am, it, it just, if anything, for me, what it says is that anything that I set my mind to is truly possible. And that is where I think the belief and everything that you do through this show, as far as the different tools and concepts that you want to ignite within people, that's where I think that's the thing that makes the difference is understanding that there's some other person along the path who might be just one or two steps or five steps ahead of you, but yet they're doing it. Right. They're making it possible. Therefore, it's got to be possible for you. That's some very powerful stuff. <laughs> That's real powerful. And I think I'm in 
a like mind and maybe a like position, similar mm -hmm. position myself and where I'm at in my life and how I'm approaching these different chapters in my life. And I'm in a place where, and I spoke to you about this on, on your podcast, um, mm -hmm. in a place where uh, I really want to give back because by doing that, I'm enhancing myself and I'm growing myself uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you're choosing to start from within. Yes. It's such an awesome route, at least for me it is, because I know that for many years I was taught the other way. Mm -hmm. I was taught through the lens of you have to serve others before you serve yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize after a while that I really wasn't being of much service to others because I wasn't choosing to serve myself first. So much of this advice and guidance that I was offering to other people, because I wasn't living it myself first, I started to question myself, where is this information really coming from? And which of this information is actually valid? Mm. And so choosing to take, I guess you could say, a quote unquote selfish approach to much of this work, I realized that that alone was actually the thing that was helping me be of the greatest possible service to other people. Because here I am stepping into it every single day, choosing to tackle the challenges and face everything that life has to offer. And I'm living through it. Mm. And I'm living through it and I'm having the capacity to understand how certain things are happening or create meaning from them and then share those things with other people. So I just, I applaud you for choosing to do that because I know how important it was for me to make that decision and make that commitment, mm -hmm. choosing to show up for myself first before I show up for anyone else. Kind of validation through your own experience. Yeah. Choosing to show up for yourself. And, and I say that often, uh, it's really hard to fix someone else. Not that you're necessarily fixing them, but enhance. It's really hard to enhance someone else, add to someone else. When you yourself, you need a lot of adding to you. Um, and I, I, it's really hard to also turn that, that light on yourself, to turn that light inward. Yeah. Um, some people struggle because they don't want to seem like they're doing it selfishly. But I think there's a good selfishness. Um, there's a time when you need to be selfish. Um, I think it's the intent by which you're doing it. And in your case, uh, you've used your own life experiences Mm -hmm. um, all of your adversities, you remained resilient throughout that. Now you're using that to not only add validation to the information that you've collected, the, the experiences you've collected, but you're also processing that and giving it back to others. Mm -hmm. And expand upon to expand upon that, a friend of mine recently said this, and that's where many of the things begin to make even more sense. He said, your responsibility is not to change other people. Your responsibility is to change yourself mm. and use that as a roadmap or inspiration for others. And in hearing that alone, I begin to understand that there was so much truth in that statement because 
by choosing to change myself first and being an example for whoever it may be, it's the only thing that I believe I can truly control when it comes to this journey. I can't control whether or not you are going to want to change. I can't control which elements of my own journey and experience will help you create that space for your change. Because much of that change comes from your own personal commitment of wanting to do it. And that's, I think, the key there is unless you choose to do it, Mm. all of this is irrelevant. Unless you choose to commit to whatever the form of action is in your life, whether it's changing the relationship that you have with money, changing the relationship that you have with yourself, changing the relationship that you have with people surrounding you, it all comes from your own individual choice. And that is once again, when I realized that as much as I was aspiring, and trust me, there were many times, many years throughout my life where I was trying to change other people and nothing was changing Mm -hmm. because people didn't want to be changed. Mm -hmm. And so I was changing areas of their lives that they didn't see as problems or adversities that needed to reshift and find a different perspective. And that's where I started to give up this belief that I can change other people. And I just turned a mirror inward and started to change myself. And from that point on, for anyone that chooses to be part of the journey, part of the ride, they're all welcome. And for those that aren't, it's also perfectly fine. Because like I mentioned, I think life comes in chapters. (laughs) There were chapters of my life where I wasn't open to change. So why would I expect for everyone else to be open to change when I wasn't open to change myself? Right. And that's, I think, <clears throat> it's something that you pointed out that's, for me, it's important to acknowledge and recognize is the responsibility when it comes to change and understanding that the only thing I'm responsible for is truly changing myself. Mm. Anything after that is almost like an added experience. Correct you are responsible to yourself. You're not responsible for others. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's that, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's that old saying, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. And as an instructor, every day I am giving, providing these tools for development, leadership development, professional development, I can't make you use them. You've got to be active. You've got to take action to use them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you, you have to make the choice. mm -hmm. It's up to you to make that decision and how you're going to use them. And at what point you're going to use them. I, I always, I'm fascinated by people. I have a couple of mentors of mine who are professors at schools, or they lead some of these bigger organizations where they have to deal with, many people and many people's behaviors. And I'm fascinated by that concept of how can you create a space of complete empowerment where the person can acknowledge those things for themselves without having the need for you to change them, without having the need, especially maybe in your case as well, Mm. of telling them that, hey, these are the things that actually work. These are the things are, these are the things that one quote unquote, should take the time to explore. Because the reality of the matter is everyone's on their own journey. And the things that you might be looking for right now in your own life may not be in direct alignment with what you are teaching them right now. So at at what point will your information click for some people 
whole part of that class. For me, I mean, I'm looking back at some of my experience in five, 10, I'll still never forget the experience I had with my ninth grade teacher where she stood up in the middle of class and she said, there's no such thing as a stupid question. That was in ninth grade. I'm just realizing this lesson. <laughs> like 14 years later, 14 years it took for that lesson and that experience to set in. So just think about that. Everything that you're teaching people right now, what if it's not until 50 years down the road that they actually see the beauty of what you created as far as the space goes? I like that you said that. I think, listeners, that's something that you, you definitely need to really think about because I also have realized something today that I was given a lesson I was given years ago, back when I was in school. And we're, we're not going to talk about that because we don't need to say my age. But <laughs> <laughs> let's just say it was me. The other day. <laughs> right? The other day. Just last week, right? <laughs> but no, I'm living that now. And I may not have seen the relatability to my life then or the importance in, to my life then or how it would have played out to help me and who I am then but I can remember it today and it has weight today. It mm -hmm. has influence today. So listeners, Oleg said something really big, you know, a life lesson that you may have had years ago may not be necessarily relevant then, but you could definitely use them today mm -hmm. or even into the future. And another thing I wanted to tap that Oleg said when he was talking about ways that he he stays resilient and he was talking about how he has certain people in his life that he knows he can rely on no matter what when things really hit the fan i think it's important to understand that it's not always necessarily a family member correct it's friends people in my network people that i just meet mm -hmm. sometimes I mean, I, I look at networking through a slightly different lens. And that is, I, I think networking for me, it's more about finding a needle in a haystack. Mm. And so whenever I find that needle, I will actually restructure the whole day around it. I'll reschedule calls. I'll do whatever it takes because I understand that that's my objective anyway, is to meet people like that. Now, I don't know what your experience has been or for any of the listeners, but for me, I found that it's rare to meet people like that. It's rare to meet people like you who think like you, who do things like you, but who can also challenge you in a way that they do certain things without making you feel like you're being judged or rejected. And so it was finding people like that, that really helped me not only see elements of myself that I may not have seen before, but I think it also helped me understand that these are the people that I can actually rely on. Yes, I might have met this person on LinkedIn. And yes, I might have never met them in person before. But that to me is just an add-on experience. It's an add-on to it all. The fact that I met them, the fact that I've developed trust with them, and the fact that I have a form of consistency with them in that relationship, that's the thing that matters to me. So understanding who are the people in my life and who are the people in my network that are truly there for me, that are truly there to help me, 
that are truly there to accept me as I am and meet me at whatever chapter I might be within my life. That has been key. And in understanding that, and then from there also just taking action on my own end. Once I was able to identify and pinpoint people like that within my life, what I started to do is I took an intentional approach to maintaining many of those relationships. So even on situations where they don't reach out to me on a weekly or a monthly basis, I've just accepted that as a responsibility on my own. I said, I'm going to do this because they are that important in my life. And I value them that much for everything that they continue to bring into my own life and my own experience. So whenever someone doesn't, or, or some, sometimes people use the phrase, I'll call you later or keep, keep in touch with you later. Well, the problem with, with that particular statement is later doesn't have a deadline. <laughs> later doesn't have an endpoint. When is later? Is later next week, next month, 10 years, or is it right the minute before you die? Because all of that is later. So I chose to take a different approach, even when people say, I'll call you later. I'll, I'll get in touch with them next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next year. So how did that develop? I have no idea. <laughs> but I think the most important part is, it, is that it did. And now I'm able to take that tool and that skill into all of my relationships moving forward and continue to maintain contact with many of those people who are important in my life. So for anyone that's listening, I would, I would encourage you, I would challenge you in asking yourself the question of who are the important people in your life and why are they important to you? Thank you, Owen. And I would say that even just the small things that I've noticed about you uh, through our, our chats on, on LinkedIn, one thing that I really noticed like immediately that has influenced me and helped me to do better in this regard. So I'm a huge procrastinator <laughs> and, and I've had this discussion with Shay, Shay Sparks. She, she did the, the first episode of the podcast. So go ahead and take a listen to that one. But I had this conversation with Shay and she said that it may be every kind of a, um, what is it? Uh, not a reflection, but maybe a, a reaction to my mm -hmm. fears, right? And you did something on LinkedIn that pushed me to want to be more like that and fight my procrastination is you took immediate action. So I think it was, you asked me, uh, what time could we talk? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll send it to you later, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then you also said that you were going to introduce me to some individuals and you did it almost immediately. And that made me want to act upon what I told you I was going to be doing later immediately. Yeah. Um, and not only that, because when I sent you those mm -hmm. times, you had an immediate reaction thereafter yeah. Um, a, a conscious decision to act and move and commit to making that action and you pick the time yeah and something so small to that small like that could be profound in mm -hmm. somebody else's life like it was for me because that's a big step for me it's a huge step yeah yeah well i i figured that if i have the opportunity to make the decision now why prolong it mm. 
why leave it to chance that I'm going to make a similar decision at whatever time down the road? Because there's so much in life that happens, not only a year or 10 years from now, there's so much in life that happens in the next 15 minutes. Mm. So those are all decisions. Those are all opportunities for me to evaluate my time. And I, I've really become conscious of that and understand that, okay, in the next 15 minutes, I may have the ability to make 20 decisions. And out of those 20, will I have the time to make the decision for Caleb as one of those? Mm. So whenever things come, when I have the opportunity, I just do it. I just commit to it. If I say I'm going to make the introduction, I'm going to make the introduction as soon as we're done. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to try and do it as soon as we're done because it's on the back of my mind. It's still part of that energy that we share in the space. And I'm able to recall the conversation or the need to the best of my ability instead of having to prolong it to 50 or 100 or 200 decisions down the road and then having to recall, what did Caleb and I talk about? Who did I say that I was going to introduce him to? So I think if anything, it, it was a learned behavior for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it has had the impact that it does and people like yourself, because I know that procrastination was a chapter within my life. And it probably is still to, still to a degree. I don't know if, in my opinion, I don't think it's possible to escape procrastination ever. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, I just find different ways to cope with it and better understand it and try and find ways for it to serve me instead of go against me. So whenever I do procrastinate, which I do, I acknowledge it. I'm procrastinating. I'm going to the pantry for the 50th time today to get a snack when I just ate. (laughs) Why am I doing that? Procrastination, Mm -hmm. not wanting to do a task. And I think part of that's maybe the fear I I did a meditation this morning during which it was a guided meditation with this um, individual where she was talking about this whole concept of money. And she said this one question that just like really, it was, it blew my mind open to the possibility of what it could be. She was talking about money and she was talking about fears and my own stories that I create around that concept. And she said something along the lines of what's stopping you? Mm. What's stopping you in attaining the life that you aspire for? And I just sat there and I was speechless. Couldn't even find the word because it was so powerful. I mean, where you are right now in life, what's truly stopping you from attaining whatever it is that you envision? And choosing to take action there. That's your action step. Mm. That's the next thing. I'm sorry. I'm just doing some deep thought now because (laughs) now I'm like, man, what is stopping me? I have goals. I have aspirations. And we've talked about some of them. Um, And I'm like, what is stopping me? And my thing is fear. Uh, The fear of failure. The fear of not achieving what it is so in my mind i'm like if i don't even try then there's nothing to fear because it's not like i put myself out there yeah but i'm not trying to be that way anymore i'm trying to grow past that i'm trying to remain resilient in going after what it is that i want and the the purpose that i'm seeking 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think you true truly ever fail though? I don't. I look at fail, failure differently now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't look at as it as true failure in that that that's it. I messed up. This was a low for me. Um, I, I look at failure the way I look at quote unquote mistakes. And I think mm-hmm. I told you before, I don't make mistakes. I live life and I make life experiences. They're mm-hmm. either, they may be either positive or negative experiences, but they're still experiences nonetheless. Each experience is an opportunity for learning and growth, whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad. So I don't make mistakes. I live life and I make experiences. I live experiences in the same way with failure. I don't fail. I experience mm. something that I've tried and maybe I just went about it the wrong way. That's okay. That's it's awesome. Something to learn from. Yeah. I'm the same exact way. And obviously this is a topic for a whole other conversation, but in regard to the failure, I think when I started to reframe it, and look at it as just a process for me to learn things mm-hmm. that I may not have known before everything shifted. Mm-hmm. So that was no longer down on myself afterwards. I just said, well, this was the thing I was meant to experience. What can I learn from it? What can I take away? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Oleg, we could talk forever. <laughs> I think we could talk forever. And I would, and I'm, I, we're going to one, you know, we're going to keep talking. It's, it's the way it's just going to be. I'm definitely going to love to have you on the podcast again uh, mm-hmm. in the future. It's never a one on one and done. Once you're part of the Ignite uh, family, you're part of the eternal flame. Uh, so I want to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and for this episode. Um, to all my listeners at home, I want to thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Ignite. Uh, please go and check us out on Facebook. Right now, you can find us under the Shadows Podcast on Facebook, or you can go onto uh, the Instagram, which is at the underscore Ignite Podcast. Oleg, tell us where to find you, where you're, what you're working on, and what's going on. I think the best way that people can find me and much of the work that we do is probably through our website at overcomingodds.today. That's where you'll be able to find the podcast, the events, the opportunities for you to share your own story when it comes to your own adversity in life. And then outside of that, I would say personally, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, that's where you'll be able to find me. I have another show called Power of Your Story, where you were a guest, most recent guest, where we spoke about the concept of equality. What does equality mean? How do we approach that? What does it mean to have equal opportunity? So there are many insights and nuggets within that particular conversation. But uh, outside of that, I just want to appreciate you for creating this space and for igniting this conversation. I think without the flame, there probably would not be the fire that we had. And everything that we chose to discuss, it came from the heart, from what we've lived through. And to me, that's important because that in itself, in my opinion, is the purest form of what it means to be authentic in today's world. Thank you so much, Oleg. Please go give him a follow. Take a listen to uh, all of his podcasts. Oleg is out there. He is an incredible individual, very intelligent, and really just 
I get nothing but the most genuine uh, positive vibes from Oleg. So please go and support him and everything that he's doing. Hi, all. My name is Oleg Lohid. I'm the founder of an organization called Overcoming Odds. I'm also a speaker that focuses on topics of developing greater resilience and reframing your adversity into opportunity. Today, you have been listening to the Ignite podcast, and I pass the torch.